Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in to the Just Janice podcast. I am your host, Janice, and we know that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So in this joy-filled podcast, you're going to hear real-life stories from other believers. We're going to talk about the kingdom. We're going to magnify Jesus, and it's going to be awesome. So thanks for tuning in, and here we go. Hey, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Just Janice podcast. I am so excited for today's episode because I have Lindsay Doss on the podcast with me today. Lindsay is a wife to her husband, Casey, and a mother to three beautiful children. She is an author, speaker, and pastor. She is crushing it in her own business. And most of all, she is a lover of Jesus. Welcome, Lindsay. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited for our episode today. So I would love to start out our podcast like I do every time I have someone on with just some quick five fun facts for people to get to know you. Sound good? Oh, yeah, of course. All right. Question one is, what is something on your bucket list? Oh, gracious. Um, Ooh, uh, go visit all of the national parks. I was actually just on the phone yesterday with one of my good friends, and she's a widow, and she was telling me that that was one of the things she was most thankful for about her husband was that that was his bucket list oh, and they visited awesome. all the national parks. So yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, I, I, I have such a travel bug too. So I love that one. Yep. Question two is what is your favorite quote or scripture or both? Hmm. Um, well, my favorite scripture is, is really weird. It's really, my husband always makes fun of me because it's like not a, you know, normal favorite scripture, but, <laughs> it's the one that says um it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living god and that's like the weirdest favorite scripture ever but i i love it i love it so much because um i love i love just how it speaks of you know the the fear of the lord but in a good way in a reverent way and of how great he is and and even whenever it talks of of him being terrible of course not terrible in a negative sense terrible in the sense of he's so, so great and so awesome. And, you know, because of that, it it is a reverence and a a reverent fear of that. And I don't know, that's my favorite one. And that's a really weird favorite one, but that's it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I love that you picked one that's not typical and that you explained it so well too. So that was really great. The next question is if you could have, if you, or if you could get everyone in the world to believe one thing about themselves, what would it be? These are such interesting ones like wow um let's see one thing about themselves <laughs> that they see one thing huh um that oh this is hard let's see one thing about themselves okay that probably i would say um no matter like no matter what they're facing what they're doing um it's never, there's never anything too hard and there's never anyone too far gone to, to fix something, to fix their life, to make something right, to fix a relationship, to fix their career, you know, that everyone has the strength that they need to get through whatever, whatever they're facing. It's just finding that within themselves. So mm, that, that that's such an encouraging that. answer. I love that. I love that. That's such an encouraging answer. Number four is, hopefully these will get easier for you. I won't stump you. Number four is, what is one accomplishment you are proud of? Oh, going home. Oh, hands down. That's my favorite. Yep. That's it. 
Yes, we're going to talk about that in a little bit too. And then the last one is what is one thing God is teaching you in the current season of life that you're in? Um, self-discipline, probably. <laughs> um, I think I think a lot of it for me for current season is learning how to balance my time wisely as a wife and a mom and an entrepreneur and a writer and um, learning how to do each thing well and with excellence and, and being disciplined enough to do it and excellent in it. I think that's kind of the biggest thing that God's working in me. <laughs> and I'm, you know, it's kind of like fail the test, kind of pass it and then fail like three more, you know, that's kind of where I'm at right <laughs> now with it. But that's really good. And I'm sure everyone listening is like, please tell us how you've learned that. But <laughs> you, know, you guys will have to seek the Lord for that yourself. So, <laughs> so let's, let's start out this part of the podcast with just telling us your story, your testimony. Who is Lindsay Doss? Okay. So um, let me think to condense it as, as short as I can. Um, I mean, of course, I, I grew up in the ministry my whole life. Uh, my mom is Karen Wheaton. She was a gospel singer um, and speaker and, um, you know, grew up in the whole Southern gospel Pentecostal world. And I, I never, ever, ever, ever thought I would be one to even really do anything that bad just because, you know, anything we tried to do, my sister and I, God would always tell our mom. And so we could never get away with anything. And um and so, you know, I was just, I was just kind of happy, you know, living life, just kind of like any kind of a, you know, pastor's kid, minister's kid. And, um, however, you know, underneath all of that, there was just a tremendous amount of pain from, um, a broken family. You know, I came from a, a, a broken household and, um, you know, it just left a lot of wounds and baggage and, you know, just a typical, um, like daddy issues type story, but, you know, I carried all that baggage into my teen years and then into my marriage. And there was just so much undealt with offense and hurt that really, I believe for anyone that has some of those undealt with pains, it, it grows, it, you know, exponentially grows and it does a lot of damage to their relationships in the future. And so, you know, I kind of always dealt with the feeling of um, uh, like just constant unfulfillment, really, of, you know, my marriage. I was not fulfilled in my marriage. I was not fulfilled as a mom and a wife. And, you know, at the time I was a full time dancer and choreographer for uh, the ramp for my mom. And, you know, it was just nothing was really scratching the itch. And so because of that, I was kind of going from friendship to friendship and relationship to relationship. And, you know, within my marriage, I started a uh, emotional affair relationship with my dance partner that I was with. And I mean, you know, it kind of grew to the point of, you know, here's a single guy who's, you know, kind of just living it up and living his life and he's happy and everything is wonderful. And that was attractive to me. So all of my friends that I had surrounded myself with were the young single people that had no responsibilities, no anything. And, and that, that, that looked wonderful to me. You know, there was just no worries in the world and um, they were happy and free. And so long story short, just fast forwarding through it. Um, I ended up leaving my husband in uh, 2014, leaving the ministry 
and just I was just going to go and, and live my life and be quote unquote happy and free. And um, and so that that's what I did. And so I filed for divorce and my husband was just absolutely believing God for a miracle. And we spent two years separated um, and our kids spent two years back and forth in between homes, you know, three and a half days with me, three and a half days with Casey, who was my husband. And um, the guy that I had gotten into the relationship with, by the time I filed for divorce, he had tucked tail and bailed. And so I went to another guy and another one and another one and, you know, started drinking and partying and, and just living life as free as I could. And, um, you know, as, as it went on, you know, as the years kind of went on and, and I started realizing that, you know, deception had painted this really beautiful picture to me of what life could look like, you know, because it's easy for us to think that, you know, the enemy comes to us with, you know, horns and a spiked tail and the, you know, um, just all the evilness and telling us, you know, oh, you should go and do this. That's, that's just not how it works. And he comes to us as everything we have ever wanted. You know, he, he comes as where we feel like we have a void, you know, or what we feel is attractive to us. And, and that's how, that's how he's going to, to grip us. And, you know, so he, he knew where he could get me and, and it worked. And, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, well, the devil made me do it because he didn't, you know, I mean, of course we can be oppressed and, and, and the enemy can sow seeds in our minds, you know, through voices or, um, you know, relationships or whatnot. But at the end of the day, I was the one that chose to do what I did. You know, I was the one that was in and out of relationships while I was still married. And, you know, of course we're separated, but. I was, I was married, you know, separated or not, we were still married. And, you know, I, I was the one that, you know, went to the parties and, and lied about Casey. And cause I knew that as a woman, if I could, if people knew that I'd walked away from my marriage because of an affair, I would never recover from that. You know, I would never be able to be in a ministry again. That would be it. But if I could paint him in a light that um, would make people hate him, then I could walk away from the marriage and, and people would still accept me. And so that's what I did. So I claimed abuse because, I mean, as women, we can do that easily, you know, and if he would, you know, say stuff to me like, you know, I, I don't want you out at all hours of the night um, dancing with a bunch of, of teenagers. Like, I, I want you to be home. I want you to be a wife. Then I would spin that and say, you know, Casey won't let me out of the house. He is keeping me isolated. And that that's control and emotional abuse. And that's, it was it was easy. It was easy to spin it uh, for me and, and, you know, to to get people on my side. So, you know, it, it was two years of that. And finally, it was January of 2016. And um, I was sitting there thinking, you know, I'm just I'm not happy at all. I'm just not happy. And I was weighing my options of what would it look like if I came home, you know, and I realized I'm going to lose a <laughs> massive part of my immediate family. They're gone. Like I will lose them completely. You know, they had paid for the divorce because they hated Casey and it was like, they're going to be gone. And, you know, then all the relationships I had um, built up, the friendships, you know, all these pastors I had talked to about Casey and tried to get on my side, 
you know, I'm going to have to tell all of them that I lied. I'm going to have to come clean to Casey and tell him all the things that I've done in the past two years because he didn't know of any of it. Um, I mean, there was just so much. There was so much that came with that decision to go home. But then on the flip side, to not go home meant I was going to be miserable for the rest of my life. And my kids were going to come from a broken home. And I was going to have to see Casey with someone else and see Casey go on and be happy while I was miserable. And really, even though deception, you know, had made me believe that not only was God okay with what I did, it was God's will, you know, because deception tells us what we're doing is okay. It's not just living in sin. Deception is living in sin and believing that you're right with God. That is deception. And I knew, though, I'm going to have to see his life go on and see his life thrive. And mine's falling apart. And I don't want this anymore. And I just, I want my husband and I want my kids and I want a family again. And, and if that means that I'm never in the ministry again, then so be it. That's what it means. I just want to be home. I don't care if I'm his maid. I just want to be home. And I, I remember looking at my ceiling in my apartment and just saying out loud, God, my answer is yes. And as soon as I said it, just the most overwhelming peace came and also an overwhelming urgency <laughs> to fix it. Because uh, I mean, we had we had finished our mediation and the only thing left to do was the judge sign the papers and he just hadn't got around to signing them. But that was it. And so I was thinking, OK, I, I got to fix this before divorce is fine. Like I have to fix this. And um, and so I, you know, I, I determined I don't care how long this takes. I don't care what I have to give up. I don't care what he asks of me. I will do it and I will do it for as long as he needs me to do it. And I will do whatever my family needs me to do. And I mean, if we move, then we move. If we stay, we stay. I, I will do whatever has to be done to fix my family. And I, I had determined in my mind, whenever we talk, he's going to say no. And that's okay, because I'm just going to try again. And if he says no, then I'm going to try it again and again and again until he says yes. And we're going to do this for the next 50 years until he says yes. And, um, and so, you know, two days later, I went to his house. We'd agreed to meet and talk. My mom had our kids. And we sat there for six hours. And I told him every single thing I had done and um, left out nothing and told him about all the affairs and the sexual affairs, the emotional affairs, uh, the lying, the rumors, the slander. I mean, I, I just spilled all. And... I knew he, he's going to say no. He's going he's gonna to say no. But I also knew if there's any shot of me fixing this, then I have to approach it with no defense, no excuses. I can't come to him and say, you know, oh, yeah, I cheated on you, but you made me mad. I mean, there was, there was no excuse for it. And, you know, I, I just had to tell him the truth of it. And the truth of it was I was incredibly selfish I was incredibly immature. I was, I was in sin and I devastated him and I went for someone else for no other reason other than it's something that I wanted to do. And it was the worst decision of my life. And so we spent all that time talking and I got my keys to leave. It was about three or four o'clock in the morning and I got my keys to leave and had, had determined I'm going to go home. I'm going to stay with my mom and I'm going to do this again tomorrow. (laughs) 
And he actually looked at me and he said, I, I don't want you to leave. I want you to stay. I want you to stay here. And I, I just, I couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe that somebody could so, so portray just unconditional love and forgiveness and be so willing to give someone a second chance like that. And to me, it was just such a perfect picture even of what Christ does for us, you know, of no matter how bad it is or how bad it's gotten, you know, when we come in, in repentance, it doesn't matter. He, he is there to help us pick up the pieces. And, you know, yes, it, it was months. It was a few months of um, building trust back, you know, where I would be at the store sometimes and he would call me and say, you know, well, where are you? I'm at the grocery store. I don't believe you. You're with someone else. Okay, I will FaceTime you and you can be in the grocery store with me. <laughs> You know, and so I would, I'd FaceTime him and, and I'd be on there when he would just be with me going to the store on FaceTime, you know, but just being willing to do whatever it took. And, and I, you know, I really do believe that that's not just in marriage. It's, it's in whatever anyone is facing, you know, if it's a, an addiction issue, it's being willing to do absolutely whatever it takes, no matter what, if it means you move. So you get, you get away from all the triggers, you know, then you move and, and you, you do it willingly and with, with no excuse, no defense, this is what it takes to fix it. And you make that decision every day until it's fixed. So, I mean, in a nutshell, that that's kind of our story. We live in Knoxville. Now we have a church that we pastor here and I have a little boy and, uh, or we have a little boy, not me. We have a little boy. He's four. Um, he's a spinning image of Casey, of course. And uh, our family is completely restored and our marriage is, is beautiful. And, and, you know, now we get to spend the rest of our lives helping others. And I mean, I couldn't ask for anything more than this. Mm. Lindsay, I, first of all, let me like wipe up <laughs> my pool of tears <laughs> here. Your story is such a beautiful story of redemption. And I, I'm just like in awe of you and your husband and your story. So well, I just want to you. commend you for your boldness and your courage and just to share the, the raw and vulnerable parts of your story. And there was so much that you taught on that just ministered to me that I know is going to minister to listeners too, and especially about the mm -hmm. deception and how the enemy works and how he actually comes in and, and steals, yes. kills and destroys. And then how bringing everything to the light makes all the difference and how you held nothing back from your husband in order to move forward in restoration. So that was incredible. You wrote a book mm -hmm. called The Way Home, where readers follow your prodigal journey. Your book description, I want to go ahead and read that for listeners. It says, I have a tale to tell, a tale of a girl who once was and the journey she took to find her way back home. There was only one problem. She had destroyed her home. Stories of restored marriages are usually told from the pen of the conquering hero, but this time is different. This story is being told from the heart of the villain. The story you are about to read is true, for I was that villain. I was the one who left home and had to cry and find my way back. So I know your story has given so much hope to people who are wandering and to those who are praying for prodigals. And um, you can just see that in a small fraction. I was looking through Amazon reviews and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get this book. I want to read a few of those. Um, someone wrote, this book should be a movie. <laughs> Lindsay, please get this movie made. This book certainly will change so many lives and definitely give incredible hope. So I just want to take a quick second to make a plug for myself. If you make a movie out of this, I want to be an extra in it. <laughs> and then the second thing, 
<laughs> the second thing is, can you explain to listeners what a prodigal is for maybe people who aren't familiar with Christianese? And then um, also tell us about your experience with sharing your story. Like, what has that been like? What have you found um, as you've been vulnerable and willing to share those raw oh, yeah. parts of well, your story? I mean, as far as, as, as the prodigal thing goes, you know, there is the Bible story uh, where Jesus is talking to his disciples and and he's talking about, you know, the the son that leaves home and, you know, takes his inheritance and wastes his life on, you know, um, fame and fortune, and, you know, sinful lifestyle and, you know, with women and with parties, you know, and just he's just living it up until, you know, finally that life kind of runs itself dry and he finds himself in the pig pen. And, you know, it, it's easy for, you know, a lot of Christians to read that and, you know, and just, you know, oh, yeah, he's in the pig pen. But whenever you really break down what what Jesus was trying to say, because, you know, in the Jewish culture, the Gentiles were looked very, very down on. And, you know, they were very much lesser than um, the Jewish people. And so for this prodigal son, for this Jewish kid, this Jewish man, to have ended up working for a Gentile, he was a slave to a Gentile, that already is bad enough. But then not only that, he was in the, the pen with the pigs. His job was to feed the pigs. And, you know, in that society and culture, the pigs were the lowest of the low. They were not allowed to eat pigs. They were not allowed to, to keep them. It, it, there was no, no picture painted more of filth than of that of he had, he could not go any lower and really death would have would have almost been better he had lost all dignity um all birthright everything was gone for him and not only that he was in the most disgraceful place of shame that he could ever be in and you know in the bible it says and he came to himself and said i will go to my father and and, and just that one line of he came to himself of realizing you know, this is not who I am and I don't want to be this person anymore. And in the word, it says that, that he had, he had determined it would be better to be a servant in my father's house. Even the servants have bread to eat. Even the servants are treated better than this. And I will go to him and say that I've sinned against you. And so, you know, he, he takes the journey back home and, and it says in the word that his father was watching, his father was, was watching the road for his son to return. And it never says how long the son is gone. It could have been years. It could have been days. We don't know. But it's still the father is watching. He's just waiting. He's just waiting for the son to return. And whenever he sees his son, he runs to him and puts his robe around his, his back and, his, and the ring on his finger. And they throw a party that the son is home again. And he is fully restored. And, you know, so that is, that, that is what we what we mean whenever we talk about prodigals, it's the person that has just completely lost themselves and is wasting their life. They're just spinning their wills in a lifestyle that is not, you know, the will of God for them, nor is it, you know, what's going to bring them, um, you know, blessing and what's going to bring them joy and peace. And, you know, it's only in that realization of, you know, I have to come to myself. I came to myself of realizing this, this is, this is really who I am. This is who I'm supposed to be. And, and then, you know, doing what it takes to go home. And, you know, so that, that's really just what the prodigal is.
it's someone that that has to find their way back. Thank you for sharing that. That was so so rich with teaching, and so I'm so thankful that you shared that. Can you can you tell us? about what your experience has been like with sharing your story over the last few years? Do you have any testimonies or, or just um, kind of like, cause I know like earlier you were saying not wanting to like expose it at first or being like, you know, oh, cause yeah. that shame can be there with our story. And we all have our own stories of like, oh, I don't want to share all the details, but girl, you are, you've laid it out there. You wrote a book about it. So how has that well, experience uh, been for you? It's funny because um, the very first time I shared it, um, I, it was, it was a Sunday morning and I would gotten up in front of our church, our whole church, because Casey and I were pastors in Alabama. And, you know, I thought, okay, if I don't tell the truth of this, then one that's doing Casey an injustice because I had lied so much about him. And so, you know, then too, it's like, if I don't tell it, it's just going to go through the grapevine and it's going to turn into like the gossip game and it's going to be something that never really happened. And, you know, I just need to just get up there and just kind of, you know, kill two birds with one stone, just get the truth out. And at the same time, repent to everybody. Like I can, I can just, you know, knock this all out at once. And so I got up, it was on Valentine's day, which is, it was our 11th anniversary. And I got up on Sunday and I was absolutely petrified. And one of the guys that I was involved with, um, I got really close to in that time was at, in the audience. He had shown up out of nowhere. So I mean, I was just like shaking in my boots, you know, and I'd actually written at the top of my paper, a lion does not concern herself with the opinions of sheep. And cause I thought this is the most terrifying thing I've ever done. And these people are going to hate me and they're never going to talk to me again. And I'm going to have the scarlet letter, but you know what, even if I do, I'm home and I'm, like nothing else matters. And if Casey forgave me and, and God forgave me and all of these people hate me, I, I don't care. I'm home. And so, um, I got up and I started telling it and I told the whole story. And what was so unreal is I could, I could physically feel just the, the chains of shame come off and, and realizing I'm, I'm not ashamed of this. I mean, of course I feel bad. Of course I feel guilt. Of course I feel remorse, but I don't feel shame, you know, and, and there is no shame in it. And, you know, it's it, shame says I'm a bad person and I am not worth anything. Guilt says what I did was bad and I had to fix it, you know, and now having told the story hundreds of times and written the book about it. And we have the sequel to the book coming out this fall and we've traveled literally the world telling the story. Um, and we've had thousands upon thousands of messages. And, you know, what was really neat was finally, you know, whenever I had told it and, you know, it was live streamed um, to millions of homes and we started getting in these messages of people saying, you know, um, my, my son is away. My daughter's away. My husband is left. My wife is left. We're pastors and our kids are gone. I mean, if you can imagine it, we have heard it. And to be able to turn around and help people out, out of the fire, there's been no greater reward than that. And whenever we decided to write The Way Home, um, I told my husband, you know, even if this doesn't sell a single copy, like, it, I mean, if one person reads it, just one, if one person reads this book and they say, 
you know, hey, I read your story and, and I want to go home. I want to fix my marriage. Help me. Like, what do I do? Or, you know, I'm in sin and, and I want to go home to my family or, you know, whatever it is. It, that, that's worth everything. That's worth everything I went through in those two years. It's worth every bit of it. You know, if one person would say that they, that they had, you know, fixed their marriage after the story. And, and now this has been uh, almost four years since the book came out. And to see, I mean, hundreds, literally hundreds of people message and say, um, I left my husband and read your book and came home, you know, and I gave my book to, I gave your book to my son and, you know, we're on the road to restoration. There's never been any greater vengeance on the enemy than that. Nothing. There's nothing greater than that. And, you know, we actually have people ask a lot, you know, is it not embarrassing telling that? Well, not a bit (laughs) because I'm not ashamed of it. And, you know, it, it helps if it helps one person, it's worth telling. And that's why that's why the Bible says, you know, we are overcomers by the word of the lamb or by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You know, and it, it, there's somebody that needs a story. Like everyone needs somebody's story. You know, that whoever's listening to this, you know, you have a story and someone needs that. Someone needs to hear it to face whatever they're facing in their own life. You know, and so, I mean, I, I love telling it because if it helps one person, that's worth it to me. Amen. That's so good. You hit on so many awesome things. I love that you hit on the shame because I know that is one thing that people wrestle with, with their past. And if you can just bring things into the light, like we've already been talking about and just go before the Lord. And like, I have this scripture actually just not randomly, but sitting here on my computer, it says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. And we go before the Lord and just allow him to deal with that and break those chains of shame so that you can walk forward in your life without that. Like, and I just think about like with my own women's ministry, there's, um, we do a lot of events where we bring women in to share their stories. And it's always like, Holy Spirit will drop someone in my heart, like, hey, come, come speak. And every time, without fail, there's someone in the audience Absolutely. that needs to hear their story, but then they find a new freedom every time they share their story. So it's been, it's just, I love everything you said. So like I said, there's like a bajillion Amazon <laughs> reviews. And as I was perusing through them, I want to read one more of them because it's just, uh, I want people to go get your book. So it says, Um, This book struck my heart deeply as Lindsay was so real and opened my eyes even more for my two prodigal children. I was glued to each page, reading the words of an incredible wise young woman. I'll admit my heart was shattered thinking of the roads my children have chosen, but she has given me hope to keep striking in my declarations. So so Lindsay, can you tell us about declarations and why they're important and then speak to people who are believing for their prodigal loved ones to come home? Yes. So there was, um, there was one time I was, um, I was just scrolling through, you know, just random memes and pictures. And I I came across this one of, it was just this old man, he was mining for diamonds and, you know, it, it, it looked as if, you know, he had had his um, pickaxe and had been digging and digging and had this huge tunnel behind him. And in the picture there, there was just a little sliver of dirt in between where and, and the diamonds. But he had turned around and was walking back, dragging his axe behind him because he had given up. And, you know, I'm, I was looking at that thinking, that is the most just soul crushing picture of this man is one strike away, just one, one strike away from from reaching his goal. 
and then, you know, whenever I was thinking, I was looking at it, it was almost like God spoke to me and, and realizing, you know, what is it that we're believing for? And what if we are one prayer away? Just one, you know, because, I mean, even in the word, it talks about the importance of prayer and intercession. And, you know, and if you're believing for a loved one to come home, I mean, I went through my mom's um, journal one time because, I mean, she, she fought hell and high water for me during this time. And I was going through her journal one time and, and looking at the dates and certain things that, that the Lord would tell her to pray on certain days. And it was, it was, it was frightening. Um, like there would be some days, one in particular where I was on my way and that the guy that I had left Casey for the dance partner, I was on my way to see him and nobody knew about it. Not a soul. And my kids were with Casey and no one knew that I was going to, to see him. And, um, we were going to go see his brother in a play and then we were going to meet up and hang out and, you know, do whatever. And on my way, I ended up getting pulled over and, I have a near perfect driving record, but for whatever reason, my license was suspended and we don't know why. And I ended up going to jail for a night <laughs> and, um, and it was like kind of terrifying, you know, but little, you know, the wake you up moment. But it was interesting because whenever I looked in my mom's journal and, and there were things that she was praying and it lined up to that exact day of, I mean, I'm getting arrested while she's praying these things of praying that, you know, that whatever I am doing, whoever I'm going to see, that God would put an end to it, that he would do whatever he has to do to make sure that that does not happen. And God did it. I ended up going to jail. So God did, God moved and he made sure that meeting did not happen. And, you know, so it just goes to prove you know, whatever it is that the Lord is telling you to pray, if it sounds silly, if you think, you know, well, it's been months and I'm believing for this for months and months or years or whatever. Well, I mean, what if you are one prayer away from them coming home? What if it's just one? What if, what if tomorrow you got a phone call and they said, you know, mom, I, I was wrong and, and I want to fix this and I want to come home. You know, how hard would you pray today? Because you never know when that last strike will be the last one. You never know which prayer is the one that, that puts it over and fixes everything. You know, you just, you never know. You never know which one, which one gets you through to those diamonds, you know? So it's, it is so important, so important to not quit praying and, and to, to just go for it as hard as you can without stopping. Amen. And as you're talking, I just kept thinking about just keep contending for that breakthrough. Just keep contending for that breakthrough. That is so good. Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Everything you shared is so encouraging and inspiring. Is there, um, or can you go ahead and share with people, like, how can they connect with you on social media? How can they get your book? How can they, they're following you on all those platforms and then so that they can know when that second book comes out. Yeah, well, um, my book, uh, The Way Home, is available on on Amazon, and um, it's available on Kindle, you know, or of course paperback. And uh, we're kind of in the beginning stages of of getting it on audiobook. But just to stay in touch, um, of course, you know, on any social media, in- Instagram, uh, Facebook, Pinterest, um, 
I have a Twitter. I'm not on it very much, <laughs> but really Instagram and Facebook, just, you know, Lindsay Doss. And um, my husband has a website, CaseyDoss.com. We put things on there as well. So they can stay in touch with either one of those. Um, and, you know, that's really where we're going to be posting any information about the second book coming out. And uh, after the second book releases, we're going to do a third one that is specifically for people believing for prodigals of what to say to them, what not to say to them. Um, what are they doing and why are they doing it? And what are they thinking? And how do I talk to them? And, you know, so that'll all kind of be in the works in the next few months. Awesome. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Would you close out our podcast episode in prayer? Yeah, of course. Lord, we thank you right now, God, for every person who has joined this podcast and everyone that is believing for somebody or even just believing for themselves. And Lord, we thank you that you are you are the only one that can that can move mountains. You are the one that can turn anything around for anybody. And we pray, God, for every one of these families, every one of these women, that no matter what or men, whatever they are believing for, God, that you move on their behalf as only you can, Lord. And I speak a blessing over each one of these people, blessing over their homes, over their family, and courage and strength and peace to them and peace to their minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.